Well, welcome, friends. Uh, for those of you who might not recognize me, I'm Brian. I'm one of the lead pastors, and uh, I'm standing here with a good friend, Greg Diedrich. Hey, We're six feet apart. We want to just demonstrate that and show that. See, you want to be closer. I know you do. I, I want to hug you. <laughs> I wanted to introduce Greg to you because he's going to be our speaker for today. We're continuing on in our sermon series called Hearing God for Others. You know, friends, I truly believe that this could be one of the church's finest moments and how is that going to happen? I think that's going to happen by us leaning in to hear from God, that he's handing out new blueprints right now, that he's teaching us new things. Maybe for you, you're going to be learning in this season in a deeper way how to hear from God. And uh, I just see our church moving out in this season, encouraging others because we've heard from God and sharing those words with others. So Greg is here. He's going to share with us, continuing this sermon series on. Many of you might recognize Greg. He's been here and spoken to us before. Uh, they, he and Shelly and his family were here at the church for a number of years, then moved to Louisville. I think I said that right. Louisville. 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 Okay, Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, he's a great leader, an outstanding leader. He's led both in the corporate world as a CEO, but also in the church as an executive pastor. But even more than that, uh, he's really learned how to hear from the Lord and how to teach people and equip people to do the same. And so, Greg, thanks for being with us. Thanks, I'll Brian. hand Great it over to, be to you. Here. Thank you very much. Great to be back with you. Thanks to Adam, Brian, and Craig for, for having me back. And uh, I've got a lot to say, so I'm going to speak quickly this morning. And when we first planned this, of course, it was before we knew there was going to be a coronavirus. And obviously, since then, everything has changed. And I don't know about you, but I'm craving some normal uh, in my life. But at the same time, I'm encouraging myself and everyone I come in contact with, not literally, but figuratively, to not go back to normal. That this is a season where, yes, I want to go back to some normalcy, but where things have shifted and the Lord has hopefully moved in your life in some new ways, maybe the ways that your family interacts. It could be the way that you do your job or think about your job and the importance you place on it. Or it could be the way you relate to God. Hopefully it's all of those. And so I encourage you to go back to a new normal. And one of the ways of those new normals, I hope, is that in this season you've developed a hunger for God. You know, a dependency on him, listening to him, looking to him for his ways and how he's working in your life in this season. You know, desiring his presence and his nearness and that's not always easy, because let's face it, in the middle of this pandemic, there's a lot of fear and anxiety that has been thrust upon us. You know, one of the things that my wife and I have done, like all of you, is watch some different things on uh, TV or Netflix. And one of the things we stumbled upon was this series called The Chosen, about the life of Jesus. And I love it. It's really well done. But the reason I love it is it feels so real. Jesus seems so real in this series. And so do the disciples in their lives. You can really sense how they're literally following him physically in this, that they're talking with him, that they're walking side by side in the fields with him. And as I'm watching it, I have to admit, there's times I'm just wishing I was a disciple to be able to literally walk side by side with Jesus. But listen to this. In John 16, 7, Jesus said this, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Some translations say it's better that I go away. And you're like, whoa, 
what could be better than Jesus like beside us every day? Well, Jesus explains in John 16, verses 13 through 15. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. All that belongs to the father is mine. That is why I said, the spirit will receive from me what he will make known to you. So what's better than God beside us? God in us, making his desires known to us. You see that shift in that relationship from side by side to inside out. Now, earlier in John 15, 15, in the context of abiding, Jesus said this, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Interesting. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You see, we get to know his business. So let's partner with him to be about his business in this time of crisis, but also for the rest of your lives to be about his business, to do everything that he's already prepared for us to do, our Ephesians 2.10 purpose, those good works waiting for us. So from dutifully following to partnering in love with the God of the universe. Now, the only way I know to partner is to have two-way communication. Now, imagine that you're in a relationship with somebody and only one of the people in the relationship talks. Now, I know some of you are saying, that sounds a lot like my relationship, so maybe that's a bad analogy. But I can assure you this, no communication, no partnership. So today I want to present to you three fundamental truths as I see them. The first is this, God still speaks today. The second is, he speaks to you, for you and also for others. And the third is that he has a unique way of communicating with you. And in response, I have three questions for you. The first is, do you believe it? You see, because there was a time where I really didn't believe it. I mean, I thought the, the Lord could speak to me about whether I should move across the country or do something significant in the life of our family, but not in the daily context of my life. The second question is, can you hear his voice? You know, there was a time where I wasn't sure. I thought maybe I heard it, but was that really my voice or was that the voice of my family or maybe a bad burrito? And then the third question is this, will you obey what he says? And too often in my life, I was either resistant or reluctant. So let's talk about those. First, God still speaks. In fact, I think of him as the creative communicator in your life. You know, Henry Blackaby did a study called Experiencing God. For many of you, you may have remembered it. It was one of the profound times in my life because it was this simple concept. It was this, God is always at work. Find out where God's working and join in. And you can't go wrong. But listen, to this question, how do you join in if God's not communicating with you? How do you know where to join in? What do you do, try 50 things and hope one of them works out? 1 Corinthians 2.9 says this, however, as it is written, what no eye has seen, what no ear has heard, and what no human mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him. You see, in the natural, we can't possibly know the things of God. And so it sounds mysterious, and sometimes we leave it there. But let's go on to verses 10 through 12. It says this, but these are the things God has revealed to us by his spirit. 
The spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except their own spirit within them? In the same way, no one knows the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. What we received is not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may understand what God has freely given us. You see, not in the natural are we gonna understand these things, but the spirit searches and reveals. You know, people who struggle with this concept a little bit, I often say to them, do you think God went to all this trouble to send his son to earth, to die on the cross, to return to heaven, to send the Holy Spirit to be our counselor and guide for him not to communicate with you on a regular basis? It doesn't make sense. You know, we do, Shelly and I do these uh, summits in our home. They're kind of two-day intensive spiritual life coaching events. And we were doing one once uh, with three people. And the nature of it is we spend the first night and the next morning listening to what God has to say to each person and to them. And we send them off to hear what God is saying. And, and one of the participants, his name was John, came up and said, you know, this may work for these other guys, but I don't really hear from God. I don't think this is gonna work for me. And I said, okay, I'll tell you what, spend tonight and tomorrow morning just asking God some of these questions. And in the morning, if, it, you, know, if you don't have anything, we'll skip that part for you. So in the next morning, when it's time to go around, I started with the other person trying to give John a, a little uh, break. And as I started in, John said, no, wait a minute, I wanna go first. And he went on to talk about all these things that God had put, laid on his heart. And we whiteboarded them and they were very profound for him. And he knew in that moment that God still speaks to him. Jesus said in John 10, 27, he said, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. You see, he still speaks. The question is, do you believe it? So let me ask you a question. How does God speak? Well, he speaks relationally. Everything he does with us is in the context of an intimate personal relationship. Think about a relationship with a, with a close family member or your spouse. He speaks through his Holy Spirit. Uh, remember, Jesus said in John 16, 12 through 15, let me re, uh, reprise that. I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. So God speaks through his Holy Spirit, but how does the Holy Spirit speak? Well, first and foremost, through his word. Victoria talked about that last week. The writers of the word, the Bible, were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write God-breathed words. And the word of God, his living active word, always trumps any other form of communication, right? His revealed word. But think of this, his word, that Bible, that Bible could be given to an unbeliever and it has no effect. I've seen it time and again. There's no truth that's revealed because we need the Holy Spirit to illuminate God's word to make it the living word. I once heard somebody say this, there's a man behind every verse in the Bible and his name is Jesus. You know, sometimes I believe in the living word and sometimes I don't know where to begin when I, when I have my Bible in front of me. I just say, Lord, what should I read? What part of your word is the living, active piece that you want to impart to me today through enlightenment of your Holy Spirit? And he never disappoints. You see, it's the Spirit of God revealing the truth of God through the word of God. 
Now, God also speaks in other ways. You know, did you ever have that situation? I'm sure you have where you're praying about something and leaning into it. And then all of a sudden, a brother and sister in Christ will come up and they'll say something to you and it will be the exact confirmation or affirmation that you need. Nero gave a little testimony to that effect. Sometimes it's through circumstances where you're saying, Lord, I think this is what you're saying, but unless I see this happen, I'm really not sure. And then along comes that circumstance to confirm it. Or sometimes God just speaks deep in your spirit. It's that still small voice that says, forgive your brother. Ask them what's on their heart. Reach out to this person. So how does God communicate with you? That's the question. You know, Gary Chapman has this book called Love Languages. And in marriage coaching, we use it a lot. It's the different ways that we can love, give love and receive it, like physical touch, uh, words of affirmation, gifts, quality time. And I think that we each have that kind of relationship with our Heavenly Father, uniquely to us. And it has implications then for the way that he speaks to us. You know, I have three daughters. They're grown now. But when they were growing up, if I had to communicate the same message to them, probably even today, I'd do it in three different ways. To the first, I would just tell it to them straight. They want to hear it straight. They may not like it, but they're like, just give it to me. And then they're fine. They get over it. To the second, I'd come along and I'd first give a lot of love and then I'd speak the truth. And to the third one, I wouldn't say anything because I know they wouldn't listen to me. I just pray to God and hope that he reveals it to them. You know, I know my daughters and your heavenly father knows you. You know, for me, a lot of the way I learn is through others. I'll give you a little illustration. Several years ago, I was putting up one of those multifaceted uh, swing sets in our backyard. And I'm not very mechanical. And as I opened it up, I was immediately overwhelmed. And I called my friend down the street who had a similar one. I said, what do I do here? What do I avoid? He said, oh, make sure you do this. Make sure you do that before you do this. And halfway through the conversation, he realized, which was my intent, to come down to my house and help me with it. Versus my son-in-law, Zach, who goes to Ikea, where I break out in the hives, and he'll bring home this big kit and he'll just, you know, lay everything out, bring out the instructions. And three hours later, he'll have assembled 400 pieces and you'll have this beautiful pantry. You know, different ways. God also speaks to me occasionally, not often through dreams that are usually profound, you know, something that he wants to directly reveal to me that maybe I wouldn't get in my natural conscience. Um, as I mentioned, we do these things called summits. And so we do a lot of work on like whiteboards and flip charts. And sometimes when I'm sitting there with someone and we're talking about what the Lord has for them and what direction he has for their life and we're discussing it, I just feel God's pleasure on me as I start to write things that are connected to God's heart for that person. Also through worship music. You know, I love worship music and, and I'm also kind of a builder of things. Uh, and the Lord, sometimes when I'm worshiping, he'll just download things that he wants me to, to do, you know, that, that he wants me to pursue for him and his kingdom. You know, Shelly on their other hand, hears very differently from the Lord. Um, she likes to walk in nature or look at nature so she can look outside and just see God's creation and it screams to her his voice, his communication. Or when we walk in the woods, you know, it speaks to her. So I try not to go on the walk with the woods with her because I'm constantly interrupting God. And also through the word. He speaks to all of us through the word, but Shelley oftentimes gets not only something deep for her, but she's prompted to share an implication of that word with someone else. We have a person on our prayer team and he's on our staff at the Iron Bell. His name's Jason. And he oftentimes get a, gets a scripture for someone. But recently, 
we were sitting praying for somebody and he had four songs from a Billy Joel album. And I'm like, oh my goodness, where is this going? You know, maybe shut this prayer appointment down. But as he described that in each of those songs, the other person's countenance started changing. And afterwards they said, that was the first album I ever owned. And those songs were important to me. And it was the season of my life that was sweet with the Lord that he wants me to return to. In the same vein, Jason also got a movie for somebody. He was praying for somebody in the middle of summer at somebody who was high school graduate going off to college. And he said, I just had this movie called The Wonderful Life. You probably don't know it since you're so young. And the girl's eyes started bugging out. And he said, in this scene, you know, George Bailey, where it says he's the luckiest man on earth near this last scene. And I thought that was for you. And later he learned that was her favorite movie and how that scene touched her as she was dealing with some things going off to school. Gary Thomas wrote a book called The Sacred Pathways. And in it, he describes ways that we can connect our hearts to God's. For some of us, it's more ritual. For others, it's solitude. For others, it's adoration and adoring him. For others, it's learning or maybe through serving. But we all have our unique DNA, our communication style that's uniquely yours with your heavenly father. And if you think about it, doesn't that open up a lot of avenues for you to communicate with God? I mean, doesn't that give you freedom to converse in different ways? You know, religion says there's only one way and you have to, before 7 a.m., get out your Bible and journal and that's the only time you can communicate with God. Now, don't get me wrong. It's great. And I think the first 20 is absolutely fundamental to establishing a vibrant relationship with the Lord. But imagine if I went to my wife and I said, honey, uh, you know, it, it's uh, sorry, it's seven o'clock. I know we didn't get a chance to talk this morning. I'm heading off to work. Uh, I'll see you tonight, but I won't be able to talk. Tomorrow morning before seven, my goal is to sit down with you. She'd say, what are you talking about? Call me on the way to work. I have something I want to share with you. And then at, tonight after dinner, I was hoping that we could talk about this and really dive into it. You see, we have access to converse. He speaks. He knows your language. Do you? Here's the next question I have for you. Can you hear him? I told you I, there was a time I wasn't sure. And so I had to hone my hearing of God. You see, it's a skill just like any other. It's like teaching. You can teach, but over time, if you continuously teach and grow in that, you get better. So let me give you three suggested steps for the way you can hone your hearing and the way you can learn to listen. The first is to pause. See how uncomfortable it is for us to pause? And in that pause, reflect and expect God to show up. The first thing I'd say about that pause is give yourself some space. Imagine if you're gonna sit down with your spouse and you're gonna talk. You wanna carve out a little space. You wanna not only listen for content, but listen for the emotion behind that content. Do active listening. A woman named Tammy, who's in our ministry at the Iron Bell, recently was illustrating this principle to their, her young uh, son, and in the middle of talking to the, her son, and then the son started talking, and then when the son started talking, she got up and walked out on him. And she came back in a minute later and said, how did it feel when I walked out on you? He said, it felt like you abandoned me and didn't want to hear what I had to say. And she said, well, that's how God feels when we don't sit and wait for him to talk. The second thing I'd say under pause is position yourself. Listen to Habakkuk in Habakkuk 2.1. And two, I love this. It says, I stand at my watch. 
I station myself on the ramparts and I will look to see what he will say to me and what answer I'm to give to this complaint. You see, he's intentional and he's expectant that God is going to speak. And the third way I'd say under pause is to tune in. Now, for those of us old enough to know what an analog radio is, if you're under 40, you can look it up later. But, you know, you would just turn the dial and one station would start to fade out and then another station would start to fade in until you found the sweet spot of it. And you see, that's a lot like God's communication to us. His voice is always out there. The question is, who are we gonna tune into? Our voice, our family's voice, or worse, the enemy's voice speaking lies to us? So be intentional. Pause is the first step towards learning to listen. The second is to ponder. In John 12, 49, Jesus says this, for I do not speak on my own, but the father who sent me commanded me to say all that I have spoken. And he said in John 5, 29, very truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son also does. So like Jesus, I wanna be aligned to what God is saying and doing. So I ponder and I ask, Lord, what are you saying right now? Lord, what are you doing right now? And I listen and I wait. You know, oftentimes we need to confirm what God is saying to us. We need to ask him to confirm it. When we were starting the Iron Bell ministry, we were uh, buying this property. There were couples moving in from other cities and Shelly started to get cold feet. She's like, whoa, this is more than I imagined. And she said, Lord, if you're in this, I want a sign. And so she thought about it and she said, we're going to these properties. I want to see a huge dinner bell on this property, whatever property, and I'll know you're in it. <clears throat> and so we were looking at different properties and we went back to this property we had already been to uh, one time and she got out of the car and we all ran ahead And she stopped and she looked up and there was this big dinner bill. And she said, oh no, because she knew God was confirming it. Later, when she started to pray for others in our prayer team, uh, in the way that we do it, where we don't ask what to pray for, we just say, here's what the Lord laid on our heart. Her first prayer appointment was with a prominent pastor in our hometown. And so she's like, oh no, you can't do this to me. I'm not gonna pray for this person. But she did and she leaned in and she studied and she looked at the word. She asked God what he had for her. And she just with great trepidation just started to tell him during the prayer time the story of David and coming against Goliath and them wanting to give him Saul's armor and him saying, no, but that's not my way. And as she started to reveal that story, he started to cry. And he said, that's what the Lord has been speaking to me for the last month in my journal. They're trying to put Saul's armor on me and it's not my way. You know, I, I would encourage you to start to pray with a, with a prayer team or a small group for others and starting to, to, to be able to hone your voice because you'll find that as you're speaking a word or a verse or a concept, somebody else will start to, to speak the same, sometimes exact verse. And so you start to hone in and hear God's voice. Oftentimes the the scripture, I'll ask, Lord, give me a scripture to confirm that this is what you're saying and what you want to do. And I'll just pray and maybe he'll reveal the scripture. I'll be studying one morning and one scripture will jump off the page at me. Or sometimes I'll just say, if you want me to do this or if this is of you, put this circumstance in my life. You know, have me run into Frankie or have me um, run into this uh, opportunity. And I look 
I'm attentive and I'm seeking that confirmation to see if that's what the Lord is saying. One time I was praying for somebody uh, in our, in our uh, Iron Bell worship area and I was going in to, to share it and I had this picture of them being a sheep who really needed a shepherd. But I knew this person, they didn't seem like they needed a shepherd. And so I was reluctant. And so I said, Lord, just, does, I don't feel it, but would you confirm it in some ways? I'm, as I'm walking out, a song comes on about the sheep caring, the shepherd caring for his sheep. Now, coincidence, maybe, but I've learned that that's not the case. So we pause, we ponder, and then finally, we participate. Question is, will we obey him? That's the real question, folks. Henry Blackaby said, every time we find out what God's doing, we have a crisis of faith. Are we gonna join in or not? You know, it might be a simple request. Uh, a few years ago when, when we were uh, learning this, this concept and uh, Shelly and I were doing that dance where you go, we're in the car, and we're, where do you wanna eat? Well, I don't know, where do you wanna eat? And this time she had a very specific request. She goes, I wanna go to Pizza Hut and have a pizza in the restaurant. Well, we've had a lot of Pizza Hut pizzas, but we usually have them delivered. I said, okay, well, let's go to dine in. And as we did, as we sat down, the waitress came over. Shelly said, we're supposed to pray for that waitress. And I said, okay. So at the end of the meal, she came over and said, would you mind if we prayed for you? And I started praying for her, my, praying my heart out. And I look up and there's nothing. She's just standing there. And then Shelly starts and she starts in just one sentence. She said, the Lord wants you to know that he sees you. He knows you by name. He cares for you and you're not forgotten. And she starts weeping. And as she's weeping, she starts explaining. And as she puts her arms out, she has cut marks all up and down her arms. And she says, just this morning, she goes, I was back there and I was saying, Lord, if you exist, do you even know I'm back here? Do you see me? What a powerful moment that was with a simple request that Shelley was faithful to. Sometimes it's a little bit more risky or maybe even embarrassing. Imagine Naaman, this great military commander who had leprosy and he wanted to get healed. So he was sent to the prophet Elijah. Elijah. And Elijah says, hey, I want you to go to the Jordan and dip in it seven times. And it was humiliating for him and he almost didn't do it, but his, his servant convinced him. And as he did, he was healed. You know, Tammy, who I mentioned earlier, she's on our prayer team. And we had somebody in for one of these um, summits. And as she was praying, she had this very distinctive picture. And she said, I see you to this person when you were young and you're, you were being taken outside and lined up to be disciplined by your father. And right before your father came to approach you, Jesus stepped in and says, no, he's mine. And later as we were processing the entire prayer, I thought that was kind of a strange thing for her to share. And I was even a little uncomfortable with it. But I said to him, did that mean anything to you? And he says, yes, you can't believe it. But when I was growing up, if you stepped out of line, if your voice was a, a voice that was irritating or was causing a problem, you got marched outside and you got disciplined. And he said, I learned to, to keep quiet. I learned that my voice could be dangerous. And in this season, the Lord was wanting him to rediscover his voice. And so we were able to process that and see that the enemy really wanted to steal his voice, but God wanted to give it back to him. The power that that had for him was incredible. I mean, could he have done that with months or maybe years of therapy? Yes, but in one instance, the God of the universe knew how to bring a healing to his heart to release him in this next season. And because Tammy was obedient to what the Lord shared with her, he got freedom. 
You know, there's a great story by Beth Moore. I encourage you to watch it on YouTube. She's a prominent teacher and she is, um, <clears throat> you know, has some uh, amazing studies. But one of the things she shared was she was in a crowded airport terminal once arriving at her gate. And as she was there, all, it was very crowded. All of a sudden, all the heads turned and she looked over and there was this very old man in a wheelchair and he was being wheeled by one of the attendants of the airlines and they brought him over to his gate. And all of a sudden, she, inside her, she felt the Holy Spirit just started stirring. She goes, oh no, Lord, don't make me witness to this man. This is not what I wanna do here and now. And as she's walking kind of towards him, cause she's, he, and he says to her, you know, you know, I don't want you to witness to her. I want you to comb his hair. You see, his hair was long and straggly and nangled and tar, just tangled. And she says, okay, Lord, I'll witness to him. <laughs> and he says, no, I want you to comb his hair. So she went over and she bent over to this older gentleman with really long hair. And she said, can I comb your hair? And he says, if you want to. So he fishes a, a comb out of his, his pack and starts detangling his hair, starts combing it out little by little because of all the knots in it. <clears throat> it takes her a long time. And then when she gets done, she comes around gently and she says, sir, do you know Jesus? And he says, yeah, I know Jesus. She goes, well, of course you do. <laughs> Lord, why'd you have me comb his hair? And he, he just, uh, he just uh, basically told her, he described how when he met his wife, she was a believer and he wasn't. She goes, I'm not, gonna, I'm not gonna become hooked up to you until you're a believer in Jesus. And so he pursued it. He became a believer many years before. But as it turns out, he was in a hospital getting treatment, uh, far away from his wife. And he'd been there for a few months. And in that time frame, his, long, his hair had grown long and gotten tangled and nobody attended to it. And on his way home, he was saying, oh, my sweet darling, she's gonna have to see me like this. And see how tender the Lord is? He knew the desire of that man's heart just to come before his wife, looking presentable. That's how good your heavenly father is. That's how intimate he is. That's how with obedience, despite the fact that it could be slightly embarrassing or risky, can minister to people. You see, God still speaks and he speaks to you uniquely for you and also for others. We can pause, we can ponder, and we can participate. And I guarantee you, as you do, you will never regret it. You know, in this time of crisis, one thing we can still all do is listen to God's voice to hear him for ourselves and for others. I encourage you, ask him who he wants you to minister to, who he wants you to just send a little encouraging text to, who he wants you to make a phone call to, or maybe FaceTime, because they need to see someone. Maybe a scripture you can pass on or a devotion, or maybe even have a word the Lord laid on your heart. Or maybe there's a gift you can send to them. You see, when you do, you'll turn daily events into the divine and you'll bring God's kingdom here to earth. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you that you still communicate with us regularly, that you have something for each of us, that you know the way to open our hearts up to you, and you know the way to speak to us. We thank you, Lord, that we can be on mission all the time, ministering to others as we join in partnership with you, as we hear your voice, as we feel your nudges, your urging to step out in faith and minister to those around us. In Jesus' name, amen.